Well, it's uh, been a little while since we've taken a look at the book of Matthew and kind of gone verse by verse through that. Um, but the last time that we did, we went all the way up through Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we, we had made our way that far. So we're going to go back on into Matthew chapter 9 because we left off in verse 17 that time. And uh, Lord willing, we'll go ahead and finish up chapter 9 and we'll make our way on in and on through chapter 10. So we're going to cover a lot of verses today, but I'm going to just keep us in Matthew. We're not going to be jumping around this morning. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and please open your Bibles up there to Matthew chapter 9. Um, And if you're listening to the audio or watching the video uh, of this, and you'd like to hear some of our previous teachings uh, of the Gospel of Matthew or many other books that we've kind of gone through here in our Bible study, you can go to iTunes and search for a love outreach. You can go to soundcloud.com and search for a love outreach or just Google hashtag a love outreach and you can find the many ways in which you can listen to our teachings here on different sites. But this morning, what we'll go ahead and do is just refresh ourselves on where we left off in Matthew back when we uh, were going through the book of Matthew at that time. And uh, like I said, we're going to go ahead and make our way on through chapter 9 and on into chapter 10. So a lot to cover. So let's go ahead and dive on in. So Matthew chapter 9, reading in verse 1, speaking of Jesus, it says, So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. And Jesus passed on from there. He he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard that, or when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? 
And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now again, if you want to hear more in-depth teaching of those first 17 verses, uh, we did cover them in a previous teaching, and like I mentioned earlier, you can go out and find those teachings. But beginning now in verse 18, we'll continue on. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the the noisy crowd wailing, um, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. Okay, so here in these verses, we see, well, we're we're continuing to see the power of Jesus at work that we've been seeing on display throughout the whole book of Matthew. All power was given unto him. And Jesus, with the short time that he spent in his earthly ministry, right, he was doing many miracles to show people who he was and is. And we see that Jesus, with great love and compassion, cared for all of those that he came in contact with while he walked on the earth. A woman with a a long-time illness, a little girl that had passed away uh, and was deeply loved by her family. Jesus was using all of these situations to show who he was and to show his power. He was God in the flesh. And as Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 tell, tell us, in him that is in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. We're complete in Jesus. And Jesus, all the the, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. You see, again, it's just so important that we keep in mind that Jesus did all that He did while He walked on the earth. All of these things that we read about here, He did all of this to show everyone who He was. He was all-powerful. He is the Almighty. In Revelation 1.8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, 
the Almighty. That's what Jesus says of himself, said of himself, right? He is the Almighty. So Jesus, in all of these miracles that we're reading about, he's showing his Godhead. He's showing his power. And that's what we learn when we read these things. And verse 27 continues to show us more of the miracles of Jesus. And it says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Now pause right there. What was their faith here? Two, two blind men, what did, what did they believe? They believed in the power of Jesus Christ. They believed that he could do what it was they were asking him to do. And that is to cure them of their blindness. Their faith was not in the healing they were about to receive. Their faith was in the power of Jesus. And Jesus asked them, do you believe that I can do this? Right? And that was on display. And that was what was on display, I should say, during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. I'm being redundant here on this point, but this is what the Bible is teaching us here. Jesus is all-powerful. That's what we need to learn as we read these verses. There is nothing He can't do. And He is worthy of our trust and our complete faith in Him. And these men received their sight because, of course, Jesus was able to do what they believed He could do. And He had mercy on them while He was on this earth and in their presence and doing all these wonderful things. And verse 31 continues and says, And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. Now, why was Jesus so stern with these guys in telling them to tell no one about what had just happened to them? And that probably would be a hard thing to keep to yourself if you had been blind. And all of a sudden, now you see. But I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments, why Jesus was so stern with them about that. But verse 32 goes on and says, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, a mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. So Jesus just continues to baffle the people with His amazing power. He was forgiving sins, as we saw back in verse 6. He was healing the sick, the blind. He was raising the dead. He was doing... All of these things that only God could do because He was God in the flesh and all the fullness of the Godhead, like I said, dwelt in Him. The religious leaders like the Pharisees that are mentioned there in verse 34, they hated Him. They were more into their religion than they were into the work of God on the earth. And unfortunately, many religions are still like that today. Sadly, they're more into their religion 
and their rules and their regulations and the way they come up with things and uh, then they are, then they are interested in what God is doing. Verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus was going out about amongst the people. He went to as many cities and as many villages as he could to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to display his mighty power by healing all the sick and the disease that he came in contact with. But you know what? He was not yet in his glorified body, right? That would be after his resurrection. But for the time prior to his death, burial, and resurrection, he was limited in his time. And he had many places to go and to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to show people his mighty power. He had many things to do. So for those two blind men to go out and to spread what Jesus had done for them would have been very taxing on Jesus' time. It would have drawn so much more attention to him already. And Jesus is just trying to accomplish what he was set out to do here in just this short three-year period of time that he was doing his earthly ministry, right? And this is most likely the reason that he didn't want them to spread this around. He still had lots to do before he was going to go to the cross. Can you imagine if all the people were brought to a tizzy, as they say, about Jesus? They would, they would have made him king in a moment. They would have tried to tie him down and say, you're our king. You're going to keep doing all of this stuff. You're going to keep healing everybody. You're staying here. But that wasn't his purpose for coming. His purpose for coming wasn't to heal everybody of their physical sickness and their physical illness, right? He came to seek and to save the lost, right? Yes, his power was indeed on display, but he was, he was not trying to draw attention to himself. He was not trying to set up an earthly ministry. He was not trying to become an earthly king. He was not trying to, 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 to make friends and influence people and, and do all that kind of stuff, right? He was, came to preach the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of salvation, the very same thing that he would later send his disciples into all the world to do. Right? And those two blind men, if you think about it, they just blatantly disobeyed Jesus. Right? It, it may be easy to sympathize with them and say, hey, they were just excited about what had happened to them. After all, they were blind and, and now they see. Been, might have been very difficult, you think, for them to keep that quiet. But you know what? Here's what we need to learn from that. There, there's never a good excuse to disobey God. There's never a good excuse to disobey God in your life and the direction that He sends you on and the things that He commands us to do. There's never a good excuse to disobey it. Say, well, you know, see what happened was is, you know, well, I just did it because of this, you know. Why did I disobey God? Well, I was just excited. It just felt good at the time, I, you know, so I just did it. You know, there's never a good excuse to disobey God. So Jesus had people to see and things to do. And, and verse 36 says, but when he saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He didn't look out at them and say, oh, look at all these sicknesses. We got to cure all these physical diseases. We got to come up with a cure for this sickness. We got to come up with a cure for that sickness. No, he saw that they were weary and in need having no shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Right? So Jesus, again, just to reiterate this, he could see something in the people, in the multitudes of people that were following him around as he was displaying his power as God in the flesh, right? He could see their hearts and he could see their souls and they were weary. They were tired. They had no direction in their life. As Ephesians 2.12 says, people that are lost have no hope and are without God in their world. People need a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd that all people need. And he knew this, and he knew he needed to send his disciples into the world to do this. So he told them to pray that he would do that. And the harvest, what is the harvest? The harvest is the lost souls. And there's still a harvest today of lost souls that need Jesus and need to be reached with the gospel of the kingdom. What I do when I'm teaching the Bible like this is reaching out with the word of God in the hopes that the lost and the weary souls will come to know the good shepherd, that you'll come to know Jesus Christ. And I would ask you to pray for this ministry to spread the Word of God into every nation. It's a small ministry, but God can do great things with His Word. His Word is all-powerful, right? Jesus did all that He could while He was here to go into every city and to every village, but He was limited, and He only had a certain amount of time that He was going to do it, right? But today, Through the internet, we are reaching into cities and towns and villages throughout all the the world with the gospel, the word of God. Let's go ahead and move on into chapter 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So the very same things that Jesus had been doing, He now gave that power to those 12 disciples so that they too could do the same works. Right? He was moved with compassion for the people and he now wanted the works to spread all the more. So he gave the disciples the power during that time as well so that they could go out and do these things and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 2, now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These 
12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So as Jesus sent these men out, they were only preaching the gospel at this time to the Jews. Two times in the book of Romans, in Romans 1.16 and Romans 2.10, it tells us that the gospel went to the Jew first. That was what Jesus commissioned. This was God's plan. This was God's desired order. This is how it was all going to begin. We know, of course, that the gospel would later go to the Gentiles as well. All the world, right? The disciples would later have a hard time immediately accepting that fact that the the gospel was going to someone other than the Jews. But they came to realize that the Holy Spirit was indeed sending people to the Gentiles. That is to the non-Jews as well. But as Jesus sends his his apostles out with this power, he tells them in verse 8 to heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So he's praying, or excuse me, he's saying to them, "You've, you've got this power. Don't hold anything back. And don't forget what verse 7 says there, that they were to preach the gospel, right? They were to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is why Jesus gave them the power to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, and to raise the dead, and to cast out demons. It was to show the power that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Right? This was to be the focus of the disciples of Jesus. They, were to fo- they, they weren't to focus nor to worry about anything else. They were to stay fixed on what they were to do. And Jesus tells them that. He says in verse 9, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. You see, these men were doing the work of the kingdom of God preaching the great news, the everlasting, unchanging gospel. And in so doing, they were worthy of being provided for, for what they were doing. Galatians 6.6 says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says, The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. They should live off of what they do. So Jesus is telling His disciples here to go and to do the work of the kingdom of God and don't worry about your needs. People that are taught by you will take care of you. You're worthy of that because they're doing a great work. Verse 11, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So Jesus is simply preparing His disciples here. And in preparing them, He's giving them instructions on how to handle 
certain situations that will arise. There will be some that will not receive you, he's telling them. And they will not receive the message that you preach. And there will be those that will receive what you're preaching. They will receive it. But don't lose your peace over it for those that don't. Just blow it off. Shake the dust off your feet. Just blow it off and move on. Just keep going. Keep doing what you're called to do and what your focus is. Just keep doing it. Don't worry about those that will receive it and those that will not, right? If they do receive you, great. Then he's saying, stay there. Be at peace. Stay there and work. Keep doing what you're doing there. The Lord wanted them, though, to trust in Him and in the power that He had given them to do what He wanted them to do. Remember, we studied a couple weeks ago in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want, right? That is, we shall not lack, we shall not worry about the things of this world if we're serving the Lord and seeking His kingdom above all else. As a servant of the Lord, we are to rest in Him, to do all that we can to be within His will and to stay within His will, but also to rest in Him, to have peace in Him, and to shake off the dust from our, from our feet, right, from the houses and towns and the people that would not receive the message of the kingdom of God. The consequences of their choices will rest upon their shoulders. There's judgment coming for people that do not receive the gospel. And Jesus tells them that. Shortly, I say to you in verse 15, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now remember, they're going to all these cities in Israel. That's what Jesus told them to do. Go to the, to the lost tribe of Israel, right? to the house of Israel. Take these, this message to them. Right, But he speaks to his disciples here of a judgment that was to come. But it's important that we understand that Jesus is not speaking about the end time final judgment here. You see, remember earlier on we saw where Jesus was traveling around to a bunch of cities and villages and he was moved with compassion. And then again, he sent his disciples out. He empowered them to do the same things that he was doing. And in sending them out, he instructed them, like I said, to go to the house of Israel. That's where they were going, to those cities where the Jews were. And he was, they were preaching the gospel to the Jews. Right? This was the plan of God for that period of time. This is what we're reading about at that point in time. Now, the thing was, though, that there was to be a time of judgment coming for Israel and for their disobedience to God. That time took place in 70 A.D. Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, and the Jews were scattered all over the place. It was a horrible time, to say the least. Right? A time that Jesus foretold would be worse than what happened for Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus is telling His disciples here that they will be rejected in many cases as they go out preaching the gospel, but nonetheless, He's given them the power to do so. And he's saying, give them the gospel. If they, if they receive it, great. If they don't, shake it off your feet. Keep going because we got to get the gospel out. But there is a judgment coming for the house of Israel. And again, that happened in 70 AD. Rome destroyed it all. It was a terrible time in the history of the Jews. 
and they were scattered all over the place as a result of that. And that was a horrible judgment that came for them. So the, the disciples just had this short period of time as well. Just like Jesus was here for three years preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die, right? He's going to be buried. He's going to raise again. He's going to ascend back into heaven. But the, His messengers, these 12 apostles, were now going to go out. And they had this short period of time to preach the gospel to all of Israel, to get it out to them before the judgment came upon Jerusalem and, and the people of Israel, that 70 AD time of great horror came for all of them. They had that short period of time, right? And then what was going to happen? Well, then the gospel was going to begin to go out to all the world. In the book of Acts, we read about it then going out to the Gentiles. And now the gospel continues to spread out into all the world through the preaching of the gospel. Okay, verse 16, though, continues, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But beware of men. For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake and as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and father, his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For shortly, for shortly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So you see, Jesus was here foretelling that time of judgment that was coming to the cities of Israel. That's what he's speaking of here. And the disciples of Jesus were preaching the gospel in the cities of Israel when that war broke out in 70 AD with the Romans. And the cities were destroyed. And this judgment, right, again, was that upon the house of Israel. And Jesus is just warning His disciples that it wasn't going to be easy to preach the gospel. And you know what? It really still isn't easy today. People don't want to hear it. But it takes sacrifice. Sacrifice. It takes perseverance. It takes patience. It takes long-suffering. Those that, that love sin don't want to hear the gospel message. And the preachers of the gospel have to fight through a lot of persecution in doing what they do, even still to this day. But Jesus goes on in verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Remember, Jesus was called all kind of things by the house of Israel, the Pharisees and such, right? His own people in the flesh hated him. They said he was casting out demons by the prince of demons, right? That was his power. They were saying, you don't have power from God, you have power from Satan is what they were telling Jesus, right? 
And Jesus is saying, look, if they did that to me, they're going to do it to you as well. Therefore, verse 26, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Everybody gets what their up and comings, right? Everybody gets it. Okay? Jesus says, don't worry about it. They're going to get what's coming to them. And he tells his disciples in verse 27, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Okay, so when they're spending time in prayer and they're seeking the Lord and they're hearing from the Lord, from the Spirit of the Lord to go do this, they needed to obey it. They needed to do what the Lord was telling them to do. And do not fear, verse 28, those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, as people continue to preach the gospel today, there's more and more people rising up against it today. There's all kinds of things popping up today in our world, you know, in our, even in our present day world. That's telling gospel preachers, you shouldn't say that. You can't say that. Don't say that. Right? But we're not supposed to fear those that can kill the body. But we're rather to fear him that can destroy the soul and, and cast a person into hell. Right? We need to reverence God. And God cares for those that serve him. Verse 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are, more, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus will testify on behalf of those that stand up for him. And he's letting his, these servants here know, his disciples, his 12 disciples, he's letting them know that the message that they're going out with is going to be hard. It's going to cause division within families because some in the family might get saved, some might believe, others will say, hey, I, I want nothing to do with you anymore because you're going in that direction. You've left the faith. You've done this. You've done that, right? The message is hard. It's, it's not an easy message. It's not a message that says you can have your best life now. And you can have everything you need. And, and you can be rich and wealthy and all that. It's not that kind of a message coming to Jesus. It's a dying to yourself kind of message. It's a taking up the cross and following after Him. He begins to describe this message to them in verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So do you see the message there? Coming to Jesus means forsaking all else. 
dying to yourself, taking up the cross, following after Jesus. The message of the gospel is you die to you and you live for the Lord God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And the kingdom of God is to be in us. It's not a religion that you subscribe to. Coming to Jesus means losing your life and finding abundant and eternal life in Jesus Christ. But people don't want to die to themselves. They don't want to love the Lord above everyone and everything else. And they don't want to let go of their sin in many cases. But they still need to hear the gospel. Right? And so often when a person receives the message of the gospel and appropriates in their lives, they end up losing relationships in this world that they once had. Family members may call you a Jesus freak, a Bible thumper, someone in need of a crutch, a religious freak, religious fanatic or whatever, right? And people may not like you like they once did when you walked just like they did without God in their world. So these 12 disciples were the first ones to be sent, and they were first sent to the Jews. And to finish out this chapter, Jesus tells them in verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Do you see what's being said there? Right? You receive the message of the gospel then you are receiving Jesus. And if you receive Jesus, you are receiving God. And these disciples went out with that message. And I don't have any other different message to preach today than what the disciples preached. It's the same message. Where do I get it from? The Bible. Same thing you're holding in your hands. The same thing you're reading. We get that message there. We get the knowledge of God there. We get the will of God there. We know what He wants. We know what He requires. Verse 41, Jesus continues speaking. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So you see, folks, there's been a whole lot of work done in order to get the gospel message sent out into all the world. And some people still are doing the work of spreading the gospel into the whole world, right? It began with the Father so loving the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Son gave His all to make the Father known on the earth and ultimately gave His life that you and I could receive the forgiveness of our sins and be made in right standing with God. The Holy Spirit empowered the disciples of Jesus to begin to spread the message. All these years later, there are still people that are preaching the message into all the world, taking the gospel into all the world. What do you do with what you've been taught. The only thing I can do is to preach as I do, to teach as I do, and hope that the Lord you know, has people that hear the message and will receive the Lord themselves. Open up your heart and receive Him. 
If not, I must move on. I must shake the dust off of my feet. I must move on to another day of teaching and preaching as long as I have breath to do so. Right? There is still yet another day of judgment coming, isn't there? But this time, it's not just the judgment upon the cities of Israel. It's a time of judgment for all the world, for all of those that have not turned to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But God has provided the way of escape. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And I strongly encourage you to call out to Jesus and come to know the life, the abundant life that Jesus has for you. And if you profess Jesus already, I encourage you to examine yourself as 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. It says, test yourself as to whether you really are in the faith or not. Have you truly died to yourself, even if you profess the name of Jesus today? Have you given Him your all? Because one way or the, or the other, the time really is drawing near. And today is the day of salvation. And you need to call out to Jesus and you need to repent and you need to give your life to Him. Time is running short. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again we thank You for Your Word, Your Holy Word, Your living Word that is active, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can do a work within the souls of people that no other words can do, God. So we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have not left us without instruction. You've not left us comfortless. You've not left us alone to figure it all out. You've given us Your Word in the pages of the Holy Bible. And I pray, Lord, that many will turn to Your Word, God. That even through this teaching, that those listening, Lord, or those watching would take seriously, Lord, that the time is now, that today is the day of salvation, and that people would turn unto You, that they would come unto You. For You are the author and the finisher of our faith. It begins with You. It ends with You. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the everlasting God, the Almighty, the one who is, who was, and is, is to come, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and always have been, Lord. We pray that your will would be done in our hearts and minds this day. And we thank you for this time together again in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.